Good morning. It's Saturday. Welcome to Ride on SC. Casey and Rex here in the studio with you. Good morning, Rex. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing good. Yeah? I just got back from Buffalo. All right. How did that go? Okay. Well, you know, everything was closed, of course. Did you get to see Rose? Yes, I did, did get to see Did you give her a big Rose. hug for me? Uh, absolutely. Hooray. <laughs> so everything was closed in Buffalo. Well, not really. It would it, it's open and closed at the same time, you know, that weirdness. Yeah. But I managed to go to a couple of uh, you know, used bookstores and I got some some pulps to add to my collection. Wow. Yeah, oh, yeah, I got co ed sinners. Okay. And Tramp Girl. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Farmer's Wife. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, these are great these are great old pulps. And of course, uh, Snappy, the magazine for men. Nice. Yeah, you know, it has perky pinups as you can see. Excellent. <laughs> Wow. Lively's so, men gags, yeah. So to share with our uh, our listeners that we were talking about what we did over this break, because I was off for like a month, too, and, uh, and you said you were watching movies, and I said, like, oh, is it anything I would have seen? No. No. Total crazy, random, obscure titles that, like, nobody has seen. Uh, they're all on Hulu, they're by all, the way. Oh. They're, yeah, they're, 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 they're crazy, obscure uh, titles. That... For the Hulu-watching public, there yeah, are some uh, titles there that... <laughs> A lot of, my mother loves film noir, so we watched a lot of that. Oh, well, as long as you weren't watching all these by yourself. Oh, the other ones, the really obscure ones I was. Okay. Those are the ones I watch off Tubi. The horror movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I watch Maniac, okay. which is one of the has the second greatest head-exploding scene ever. Oh, second greatest. Yeah, the first one's in Scanners. <laughs> That's the one everyone's seen. The second one has, is, is it's done by young Tom Savini. It's supposed to be his own head too, so it's uh, so it's amazing. I just love that you say it's the second greatest because nobody actually awards things like the second greatest. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> we're gonna have a top five list of head explosions. Of head explosions, scenes. yes. All right. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to bog down with all that. But anyway, you enjoyed your trip to Buffalo. <laughs> yes, I okay, did. Okay, good. Um, so this is the first episode of 2022. We're live here in the Columbia studio. Welcome to all of our online listeners at MakeThePointRadio.com. Um, just a little bit of. Uh, housekeeping here as we get going i just want to thank all of our patrons for 2021 because we had some goals in 2021 and we hit them which was really awesome so thank you so much first to the south carolina writers association um there that's an organization of 400 writers here in the state of south carolina and would love to have you join their ranks so if you are a novice writer or are an ambitious author you would like to uh, go out there and, and and make friends with a community, be part of a community of writers, the South Carolina Writers Association welcomes you. It's myscwa.org uh, to join. We kicked off the new writing conversation series this past Thursday with a generative workshop uh, with David Schwartz, which was a lot of fun. These are the noon on Thursday uh, via Zoom events, which is super cool. This coming week, we have another one um, with Brad Land, which should be really good. And then in two weeks, we're having a write-in for SCWA members. So you have time to join if you haven't joined yet. Um, but Thursday at noon, we'll have everybody get on Zoom, and then we'll just be writing together. And our chapter, the Columbia 2 chapter, uh, will actually be sponsoring that. So kind of looking forward to that. MySCWA.org. If you haven't um, joined SCWA yet, go out there and take a look at that. And then our two big sponsors, Carolyn and CJ, both had a big time in the fall. Carolyn finished the follow-up to Redemption, uh, One Woman's Dream to Overcome Oppression, Find Family, Love, and Forgiveness. The new book is called Reconciliation. She gave me a, uh, an advanced reader copy, and man, this book is smoking hot. It's fantastic. Um, and so I don't mean smoking hot like a, in, in a romance novel sense. I mean, like, it's just on fire. It's so good. Anyway, so uh, Carolyn out there, great job, Carolyn, with the, with the follow-up. And uh, when that gets released, we're going to have a big party. It should be a lot of fun. 
Um, and CJ released a thriller called Can't Hide What's Inside last fall as well. And we didn't get a chance to really promote that out there, but all of those links are on the blog. It's right on sc.blog. Go out there and check out Carolyn and CJ's work. Um, additionally, we want to welcome Randy Mack, Julia Daly, Rose Mooney, as always, uh, for loving our show. We appreciate you guys. Thank you. Our patrons are what keep us on the air. So if you'd like to become a patron of the show, go out to patreon.com slash right on SC and, you know, give us your money. Okay. One more thing. We have a new uh, on our YouTube channel. There's also a link on the show notes for the YouTube channel. We're inviting writers to uh, participate in the YouTube channel. We're, we're putting uh interview videos up there so if you'd like to be part of that you can send me a note and I'll be glad to include you on that all right what writing goals uh, Rex did you have in 2021 and did you meet them <laughs> well yeah the first book that Aristotle Anderson series is out unfortunately right. it's only out on Kindle though for some reason I got to get on these people <laughs> I, 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 I like to have a party you know take it out but I can't have it until I have physical copies in right. my opinion right I don't know what's going on with them anyway but I finished the second one excellent so the second one is out there. They sent me a mock-up of the top of the cover. The first and second novels of this. How many books are in the series? Six so far. Six, six books. If okay. things go well, um, you know, I could see up to 20. But nice. we'll see. Look at that. But, uh, okay, so, you know, and I've started on the third one right now. Awesome. So you're now, like, elbow deep in Aristotle Anderson, and this is the only thing you've been writing lately? Well, I've been, re you, know, you remember that other book that I uh, gave you? Yeah. Which you should throw out because I've now edited the heck out of it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I just went in there with a hatchet and started chopping off bits and pieces here and there. It's the good work of revision. Yeah, it's the good work. It's also kind of embarrassing because I shouldn't have. I think I sent it out too early. Certain things. I'm, I'm not surprised that no one was it got interested. Rejected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm really going through that. I'm going through that a chapter a day, um, just 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 hacking it up and uh, rearranging it and, and putting it into shape. So the goal for 2022 then would be to get that book in query condition? Oh, yeah. That yeah. should be done in about a month or two. Okay. Um, I'm going to go over it again and again, but then, you know, also get a couple more of these Aristotle Anderson. These are short novels, too. Okay. Right on. So. So 2021 for me, I published Before Pittsburgh, which is the second novel. It's follow-up to After December. I felt like it did pretty well. Um, some modest, had modest expectations because of COVID and all that. Um, but did pretty well with that. And then I landed an agent in 2021, which is super cool. So I have Amy Collins of the Talcott Agency now representing Being Blue. She's going to go out there and uh, try to find a publisher for that. Oh, she so, is? Yeah. Oh, good for you. Yeah, so that's my goal here. 2022 is to get the second book, which is Chasing Asta, ready so that if Being Blue gets picked up, that uh, Chasing Asta is right on the heels and ready to go after that, um, which is cool. I started, I had written the first chapter well, it was all a NaNoWriMo project, but of course it's kind of garbage because... Because it's a NaNoWriMo project. <laughs> and because Being Blue got completely different, right? It's completely different now than it was when I wrote Chasing Asta. So now I'm just sort of bringing in little pieces of that, like, okay, what's next? What's next? And then starting... It, so it's a little bit writing, but it's a little bit revision too. Um, but I'm really pleased with the first chapter. And hey, if co-ed centers can get published, so can you. Lord have mercy. Uh, shocking centers. novel of misbehavior in a college campus. All right. So 2022 <laughs> goals. <laughs> 35 cents. We're not spending the entire episode on goal setting. We're actually going to talk about uh, best beginnings. So if you want to go out to check out the show notes at writeonsc.blog, you'll see where we're going to get into this beginnings. Um, but we Because ha we haven't done beginnings in a really long time in terms of like the first page of the story. Uh, but I think it's, a, it's worth it. It's worth going out and taking a look at it. Um, but I just want to put one more thing out there as far as the 2022 goals. I had been doing a lot of short story writing and submission. But lately, I haven't done a lot of short story writing. So I'm now in a short story critique group through SCWA. 
and I'm going to be working on writing at least one short story a month. So hopefully that'll give me a good body of work by the end of the year that I've got, you know, 12 You mean finishing? I just want to write them. I need to, I need to generate new work. Uh, uh, yeah, because yeah. I've been doing so much but, revision. But you had so many short stories you never finished. I mean, that's the real thing. It's easy to start them. you got to finish them. Yeah, although, you know, it's interesting because I have all these critique groups that I go to. And so when I was looking for pages on Monday night to take to, uh, to Cola 2, I couldn't find any. Because I've been, everything's been workshopped. I just haven't written anything new, right? Well, then, like, uh, so that's where my goal but for have you, But you revised the workshop stuff. stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. would go back and try it again. Yeah, we'll have to take another look at it. All right, we're going to run to break. On the other side, we're going to get into the meat of this. It's off to a good start, episode 171 of Right on SC. This is 100.7 The Point. Don't go away. All right. Good morning. We're back. It's Casey and Rex here with you on Right on SC, 100.7 The Point in Columbia, South Carolina, and on MakeThePointRadio.com. This is episode 171, off to a good start. We're going to get into some details around how to start out a story. Uh, but I started thinking about this because, of course, it's the beginning of January, and I was like, all right, here we go. New beginnings. New beginnings. Fresh beginnings. <laughs> like, Hopefully fresh beginnings. And I don't want more of the same because I thought 2020 was bad. 2021 was worse. Right? It's like the 2021 was the worst hangover of a terrible party you've yeah. ever had, right? Lasted 365 awful. days. Awful. Uh, so hopefully, but 2022, this actually, February 1st really is the, the next new year, right? The um, uh, But it, it's the year of the tiger. So I'm actually really excited about 2022 because I've been waiting my whole life for the year of the tiger. Let's do it. Um, but anyway, so thinking about the beginning of a novel and the beginning of stories, there's actually um, there's a link in the blog to John Fox, uh, Book Fox uh, website that goes through. There's like 25 of them. And we're not going to do all 25. We're just going to do the ones that I pulled out. But you can get there and see them all. And I want to start with the dream sequence. Uh, and this is one, it's a favorite of novice writers where they begin the story. And, and the thing about the dream sequence is we don't know that we're in a dream. As a reader, you don't know you're in a dream. And then you're like two pages into this weird stuff happening and the main character wakes up like the alarm goes off and the main character wakes up and every I think just about every writer will tell you this is terrible. Right. <laughs> like, Don't even give me the dream. Don't begin with the dream. Don't begin with waking up. Put me, you know, somewhere else at the beginning of the story. Yeah. But the dream sequence is uh, it. I don't know why, but it persists. People, for whatever reason, believe that the dream sequence is a great way to begin a story, and it shows up again and again and again. Um, so, talk a little about that. Have you? Do, what are your feelings here on the dream on the dream sequence? What's the point? <laughs> All right, you know, I've said, read two good series, two good books um, about dreams uh, with, with dreams like that. Okay, one was Alice in Wonderland. Okay, Alice in Wonderland through Looking Glass. Boom. Right. Because there was no doubt about it. Actually, Alice in Wonderland was a little bit of a doubt about it. But when it all turned out to be a dream, yeah, made sense. Strange well, as that sounds, since nothing made sense in that book, it made sense that it was a dream. Did it? Does that story begin with her in the dream, though? And then the entire book is the dream? Well, it's her out falling asleep by the wind, by the, just like the movie begins. Right, right, right. And then she sees a rabbit go by. Right. And she follows it. And that's, that's, that's the signal of the dream. And so on and so forth, yeah. Okay, but so what I'm talking about, though, is like where you start reading on the first page. I think if a... the whole of the story takes place in the dream, is the dream. Because the other one is the uh, Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath by H.P. Lovecraft, which was a great book in my opinion. It was never published in his lifetime, of course. 
but it takes place about you know an ordinary man going into the world of dreams and uh, looking for this this source of enlightenment. I think I wonder if like part of the appeal is that we don't really understand dreams. We don't really understand why we have them or or what they're meant to do. And I think like sometimes dreams become premonitions, right? Where people begin a story with a dream because the dream is some kind of foreshadow. It's kind of going to tell us where the story is going. Maybe that's an effective dream, right? Um, but I don't really know why we need a premonition. I don't know why we need some kind of fortune-telling thing to happen. So I'm, I'm really don't. just not committed to the dreams. Yeah, me just, neither. Just about every time I read a dream, anywhere in the story, just about every time I read the dream, I'm like, I feel like this is a waste of time. You're trying to give us some kind of insight into the character's inner mind, but, like, I don't need that. Like, there's a there's all kinds of better ways to do that than to put them in some kind of dream sequence. Right. And especially not the beginning of the story. <laughs> At the beginning of the story, you're tricking me. If, I, if we start out and there's a, a green dinosaur, you know, crashing through the bedroom wall and you know now i climb aboard the bed the dinosaur's head and he's gonna ride me around the city or whatever like okay clearly this feels like a dream but i want it to be real and so like make it real because if and then i woke up happens anywhere in the first two pages i'm just gonna chuck the book out yeah because the dinosaur doesn't make any sense to me. There's no reason for me to spend time on in somebody, especially in the beginning of the story when I don't even know who this person is. What do I care about their subconscious when I don't know who they are? All right, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, I'm just making them all day long. Good point, good point, good point. Well, I mean, yeah, okay. Okay, so don't start with a dream. That's okay. what we got. All right, fine. That's it, that's it. Don't fine. start with it's, a dream. It's a, because there's no point to it. Um. And if it is foreshadowing, the foreshadowing is kind of lost unless you, uh, until after you've sort of established, you know, the rest of the exposition, you know, the yeah. plot, the setting, all that sort of stuff. It, sh it needs to make sense, right? It has to be in some way related to the rest of the story. Right. It has to be relevant. Um, but so then, so then as I'm having this like whole anti-dream, um, you know, what would you call it? Like a monologue here. Um, I find this blog that has five ways to do it successfully. What, dream? Yeah, start with a dream. Oh, okay. Let's hear this one. All right, number one. The dream isn't really a dream. It's a vision or a premonition. So in this case, I could see like some, remember we talked about prologues where if the prologue happens like off, off camera, right? Where it's like outside of the regular. So say somebody random has this dream and then we go into, you know, chapter one is our main protagonist or whatever. So the premonition could be, a soothsayer from years ago or, you know, I don't know, a psychic in Arizona or something like that, right? And it's their dream, but now we're going to get into our protagonist and what his everyday life looks like and then try to figure out how does that connect later. Okay. So I could see where that might work. Eh. But I, I, and again, I feel like it's like clickbait though, right? Like you're telling me something I'm eventually going to see anyway, so why bother? Anyway, the second is the dream is a hook. So it's visual. Well, yeah, of course, a it's a hook. It's a hook. It asks a question. Of okay, course. okay, yeah. fine. But that's what you were just saying. It still it still bugs you because you don't care. Yeah, I, that's exactly right. Like I don't know who these people are or why their subconscious matters. Um, and then the other one fours make the dream action immediate to what happens in the next piece. Right. So, like, say you dream. For example, you dream that you're late to school, right? And then you jump up and race to school, but it's actually like 4 o'clock in the morning. So I could see where, like, if it spurs whatever the next action is going to be, whatever happens in your dream forces the character to then do something irrational 
in real life, I could see that. Well, you know, I could see that. I was considering writing this as, a, uh, um, you know, the character dreams someone else's dream. He realizes he's not in his own dream, he's in someone else's, and that spurs him to go find this other person. Yeah. Something like that, I could see. Yes. You know, so for the fifth night in a row, Terrence dreamed about Molly, and when he woke, decided he had to find her. I right? guess. And then, like, there, and then here you well, go. Like, now we're on this beginning. quest. Because, okay. All right. And then the last one is uh, tell the reader immediately that they are in a dream so that you know when you first open the book that this is what's happening to this character. All right. And then well, you that, don't that I could agree with. That I can agree with. Yeah. Then you're, as a reader, you don't feel tricked by this dream. Okay. And then, <laughs> so then Jane Friedman, again, our friend Jane Friedman, says, don't do it, except get the, you're going to recognize this line. When Gregor Samsa woke one morning from uneasy dreams, he found himself transformed in his bed into a giant beetle. Yes. From the metamorphosis, right? Right. So, okay, I don't know that we had a dream sequence in the beginning, but he did wake up, right? Like right. the story begins with Samsa waking up. Right. Okay. Okay. Actually, you know, they, that's the one thing everyone tell, keeps telling me that they're bored of is the character. Is the story starts with them waking up. Yeah, yeah, the alarm clock going Yeah. On. This is terrible. It's like a, it's a very cliched way to begin a story. <laughs> nobody wants to start with somebody brushing their teeth and going through their morning ritual. Like nobody cares anything about that. Everybody knows what that looks like. Right. So there's nothing. The only reason waking up is an interesting way to start is because something has forced them awake, like a meteor crashing into their backyard. Right. Like in that case, okay. You know, um, even the night before Christmas, right? Like you've got a sleigh landing on the roof. Okay, that'll wake you up. Jingle bells are what woke me up, right? Something, the thing that woke them up might be interesting. But simply the alarm clock, like everybody else wakes up to the alarm clock, this is boring. It's boring. All right, cool with that? Yeah. So bad beginnings, dream sequence, ixnay on the dream sequence. I was going to pig Latin that, but I just can't. Um, and then, <laughs> number two, bad beginnings number two, world building. So this is kind of what got me thinking about it. I just read a book called The Beautiful it's a vampire book, of course, um, and it spent the first two pages explaining the political history of vampires so that we kind of have an understanding of, like, where they stand in social, in, like, human social society, right? Um, and I didn't, I really didn't like it. Like, here's two pages of you explaining to me who your vampires are and what it looks like for them. And it's almost like they're giving you this sort of behind the scenes, like, like if you're reading the playbill and then suddenly it was like, and action. And stuff started happening. And I was like, I, I, it was two pages to me that, like, I guess somewhere I need to know that stuff. But I didn't like that it was the first two pages of the story. Yeah. So, what do you think about beginning with world building? I don't have a problem with that. It depends on the genre, okay? You know, science fiction, you're going to need a little bit of world building. Right? Even if it's just a date. Right? I just watched the recent Dune movie. Yeah. And it gives us the date, gives us perspective, right? Of course, it gave us the wrong date from the book, but we won't get into it. Because it says the it says it's the year 10,000 something or other. Right. And But that's 10,000 based on the new calendar. It's really, but according to the Christian calendar, Dune starts in the year 30,000. But anyway, we don't need to go on about that. But you see what I'm saying? I mean, it, show, it, 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 it gives you um, enough distance. Or if it's... Uh, I think a science fiction one, you can really start with that. Yeah. Because it builds off our own world. Maybe not with the fantasy so much. Um, but what, well, I'll put it this way. Was it interesting what they were talking about in those first two pages? 
Well, yes and no. Like, it's interesting if I'm sitting down with somebody and I say to them, oh, you're writing a vampire book? What are the rules of your vampire world? And then they tell it to me. Then I'm like, okay, that's interesting to me. But in terms of, like, wanting to read this story called The Beautiful, which is this, like, faded lover's vampire romance. Was it necessary for them to know that stuff? I didn't feel that it was in the first two pages. All right, fine. Like, as the story begins, I didn't think I needed that that two pages of backstory. All right, so. But look, the book was fantastic, right? And I can't wait for the second one and the third one, right? Which is really good. But it's still kind of like, I felt like it was a waste of the first two pages. Right, okay, okay. It, it could have been more engaging. I'm talking about, though, the idea of the world building. I think you can do world building in a much more immersive way. So, like, Marissa Meyer wrote a series of, like, retellings of fairy tales, and one of them is called Cinder, and Cinder is a um, is a cyborg. And it's this very futuristic world where the, uh, the, um, the world has, like, it's basically, like, three nations that run the whole world, and then there's a lunar planet and a lunar settlement as well, right? And Cinder, the story is, it's because it's Cinderella, Cinder is going out on her, like, regular chores for the day, and as she moves through this world, that's how we're getting the world building. We're getting, like, what does the market look like? How does she interact with people? How does she, what does she name these species that she's interacting with? Like, all of that is the world building as she's going about sort of this, like, regular task and setting up, like, her regular day. We're talking about great beginnings and what not to do here on Right on SC this morning. It's 100.7 The Point. We'll be back. Don't go away. Born in the USA uh, entry music. That was pretty good. Uh, right on SC, this is Casey and Rex here with you Saturday morning. We've got a half hour left. Uh, we're going to talk more about beginning stories. And we're going into, through the show notes, we're going into the section about backstory. So if you're out on the blog, right on sc.blog, following along, um, we're, you know, about midway through. We're, when I mentioned backstory, like beginning the story with backstory, the reason it's not a good idea for your first two pages to be all backstory is because, once again, we don't know who these people are, and we don't really care about them, and we don't really know what's happening yet either, so the backstory doesn't really matter to us. But you made a good point in terms of opening a story with something that explains what the world looks like. So, like, if we go into a crime Actually, drama... Actually, I made that point off... <laughs> I know, no, no, no. Off, off, that's why I'm trying to, like, recap it for the listeners. All right, well, okay. Uh, you know, I'm doing this series, doing Aristotle and Anderson... And each chapter is itself a sort of miniature short story. Well, is is a short story, the little vignette, you know, which uh, has the main character just dealing with the, the spelling or something like that, which will eventually lead into the main, uh, which will uh, it can be independent from the main story, but it sets up the rules of the world quickly and interestingly. Shows you what he's like, shows you what the world's like, shows you the special rules, uh, the special physics of this particular universe. And the example or the, the sort of parallel that I drew was to like a crime drama where if you it opens up and the detective is solving the old crime. Right. And so now we're going to hand it off to, you know, the lawyers and, and the prosecutors or whatever. And we're done here. We don't care about that old crime. We don't care who died or whatever it was. We just want to see what it looks like to be a police officer. And so we're kind of the writer kind of walks you through the motions of what is there. What does it look like to resolve a case? And then that kind of gives you an idea of the procedural part of the world, right? And, right. And to your point, the rules of the world. So I can mm -hmm. see where, like, sometimes when you begin, it's not really backstory it's what necessarily. what they mean by show, not tell. Yeah. I could say, well, Aristotle, this is how he did it. It's right. better to show it in the story itself. 
So I can see that. Like, I think that that's a kind of <clears throat> story that's not necessarily like a flashback, right? Um, but it kind of, so one of the things that I got uh, some pushback on in early drafts of After December was putting a flashback in way too early, where like the flashback is either part of the story, right? Like it either matters in the story or it's exposition. And if it shows up as exposition, then you need to let us, you know, we need to be in the world, the current, the now, the present for a little bit before you bring that exposition in. So I don't like the idea of, sh of beginning a story with all exposition or all backstory because really we need to be where the story begins. We need to start where it actually starts. And then you can give us all of that, you know, later on. You with me on that? Yeah, I understand that. Exactly. All right. Um, <clears throat> Our next sinful beginning. Sinful beginning. <laughs> don't, well, you know, you know, don't we, do it this way. <laughs> well, I know. We keep saying that. We should uh, really start discussing, you know, what are good ways to begin. We're, we're going to do that. We are going to get to that. We're gonna get to uh, description of a character. So this is um, a classic in romance novels because our romance writers want to tell us exactly how handsome he is or exactly how beautiful she is. Um, but to begin with the description. She's like really, really, really pretty. The <laughs> <laughs> You're reading that right out of the pages. Of yeah, the I'm just reading it right out of Coed Center. <laughs> she was really, She was like really drop pretty. dead gorgeous and stuff. Speaking of which, we were watching The Matrix last night, and um, the scene where she tells him she loves him and she wants him to wake up, I was like, well, that came out of nowhere. Like, we knew. You kind of know. But she has no reason to love this man. He's done nothing. They've not bonded in any way. This is absolutely the worst romance I've ever seen ever. And then we started laughing about it because I was like, I feel like it's definitely a nerd romance. It's like a science fiction nerd romance. It's a fantasy romance. <laughs> she's just, she's beautiful. And she, of course, only loves him. Of course she does. Because right? it's fate and stuff. Yes, fate and stuff. All right, so the description of the character, not a great place to begin. Character sketches are boring, right? To yeah, tell us their history, are. what do they look like? Even if it's like the driver's license. He was 6'2", and, you know, or tell us how buff he is and, like, all of these things. The, none of these things are interesting, honestly, um, and they're not a good place to begin a story. I don't think so. Um, I, in fact, I use almost no character analysis whatsoever. I mean, uh, no, no, I, I, I don't. At least, in, at least in the, the, the books I've published so far. In terms of description. Description, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't describe him at all. I just give him a name, <clears throat> maybe a background. I like to have an understanding of like, are they tall versus other people? Are they um, are they are they fit, healthy, right? Like, is this somebody that is a um, that we can see going for a run or something like that, or is it somebody that is the opposite of that, right? So, like, I kind of like the idea of having a general sense of this person's physical, you know, how they take up space in the room. But I think you can do that with the describing how they walk, describe if they sit down, where do they sit, how do they sit. Like, there's ways that you can give us a sense of how this person occupies space without being like, she ran every morning at 6 a.m. She was slender with athletic thighs. You know what I mean? know. And then I, you're like, wait, what? Well, I know, but <laughs> as you pointed out, like in the romance genre, you want to kind of know that to help build that visual since that's since that's what it's about. I mean, I want to, I want the description of how smoking hot he is. That's absolutely true. Oh, yeah. Oh, right? but not the woman. Well, no. That's so sexist it's of you. <laughs> It's not necessarily that. I mean, I don't want it on the first page. Oh. Yeah, it's not. It's just not the great place to begin. That's because part of that description of their physical attraction is the the leveling up of their relationship, right? When they notice that the other person is physically attractive. So if the very first page is just you telling me how they look and what they look like, I'm like, okay, like 
you know, it could be anybody walking around campus. It doesn't really matter. Um, but so I guess that's what I'm saying. It's like from the first two pages, uh, that's not what I'm looking for. All right. Well, what are you looking for in the first two pages? I'm glad you asked. Good. <laughs> I want the character to be in action. Give them something to do, right? Like uh, show them behaving in a particular way about a particular thing. That's what I'm looking for. And even if that, like, sort of the more mundane, the better. Like, the old man is standing in the post office, but he used to work here, right? And so how does he feel about the post office knowing that this was his employment, but now he's retired? And does he think that it's being run better? Is it poor? Like, whatever, right? That's interesting to me. Um, the older sister is feeding her siblings again, right? Because mom and dad can't be trusted to do it. And then she sees a flashlight in the window of the kitchen. And you're like, wow, there's a, there, why is there a flashlight in the window of the kitchen? And are these children endangered? Like, these kinds of things create action and suspense as opposed to just, like, she's a 13-year-old girl with blonde hair and blue eyes. You know? <laughs> Eat your peas, Jimmy. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, instead, like, let's explain, you know, what makes this an interesting scene? What makes this, what makes us want to be in the room at this time? All right. Yeah, yeah, it does. Okay. It does. Um the problem is, you know, I mean, one of the one of our don'ts, like don't wait, don't don't open up with a person coming out of a dream. Yeah. I mean, coming just wait, don't start with a person waking up. Is that the example we used? Probably one of the most famous pieces of literature, in, you know, in the twentieth century. Yeah. Which might be why the rule exists, right? Because here comes Kafka <laughs> with this amazing, you know, he woke up and he was a beetle, and then everybody else goes. I'm going to make my character wake up too. And then like I a don't bajillion know. stories after that are, and then he woke up and then he woke up and then he woke up and you're like, okay, we're done with that. Yeah. You we, mean it's overdone. It's, it's not bad. It's not that it's a bad way to begin. It's just overdone. Overdone. To the point where, yeah, I could see that. It's cliche. All right. So this is another one that's going to show up. That's, that is cliche. And I know you're going to, you see a lot of novels that begin this way. My novel begins this way. And oh, it's I was, terrible. It's uh, starting no. with dialogue. Starting with that. What's wrong with that? Tom Sawyer begins that way. Yeah. He's yeah. being yelled at by his aunt, uh, what, what was her name, Bess? Yeah. Th so dialogue is really interesting to me. I think of it as like I'm overhearing a conversation and I'm curious immediately about who these people are. What are they talking about? Why does it matter? And so I was really surprised when this uh, list came up and it said, don't start with dialogue. I was like, but why not? Apparently there are people in the world that don't care what other people have to say unless they know who those people are. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just not one of those. I'm definitely like the opposite of that. I would absolutely listen to dialogue all day long and try to figure out who these people yeah, are. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That's the problem is, you know, I think the I think part of the problem is every possible beginning has been done to death. Yeah. Every single one. Well, here's some of the reasons though that the dialogue doesn't really work right and i and we've seen this too like these are kind of the sins of the dialogue <coughs> opening the first is like talking head syndrome where there's multiple speakers and you don't know who's saying what or why they're saying what they're saying right and so this feels very confusing it's like walking into a room of, of strangers and everybody's got an angle but you don't really know what the angles are and so i could see that if you have too many characters and you're and and we don't and it's I could see that being like a poor way to begin. As the Godfather begins with dialogue. Yeah. And that's a brilliant way to bring it in. I suppose if you have too many speakers, fine. Yeah. The other way is trivial characters. I agree with this one too, where the dialogue is between like, say a cab driver and our main character or the ticket taker and our main character. And you're like, 
we don't care anything about the cab driver. We're never going to see him again. Why is he talking? Like, why does this matter? So I think that's another way that the dialogue, the beginning with dialogue kind of fails is when the dialogue is between characters that have zero importance here. Um, I would much rather, like our main character, of course, matters, but how our main character treats the cab driver probably doesn't matter or how the cab driver responds to the character probably does. Like, these things probably don't matter. I don't so, know. Well, so if the dialogue includes trivial characters, it's probably not a good way to begin. Unless they're speaking about the main character. I, I'd say almost like trivial characters begins with, uh, you could have, um, if they're reflecting upon the main action of the story. Take a look at A Rose for Emily. You could almost say, we don't know who the main character is, Right. right. In fact, you could almost say the main character is the collective voices of the of the town itself right. reflecting back upon that. So in a sense, they're all trivial characters. Well, the Virgin Suicides is the same way because it's told by the neighborhood boys. Right. And it's them, you know, speculating on the on the actions of the girls. So, yeah, I could see that. I mean, that I guess that's not the in terms of the collective voice of the narrator. That's not what I mean by the trivial character. I mean, like somebody that's going to go off camera and we're never going to see them again. That's what I mean by that. All right. Um, some of the most memorable lines out of um, uh, the movie Armageddon are characters that we never see again, right? <laughs> like, uh, where this is, I mean, it's funny, but it's also kind of distracting. What movie? There. Armageddon. So there's, um, did you see Armageddon? Come no, on. I watch good films. Huge Bruce Willis blockbuster film. Come on. Yeah, ben I know. Affleck, I know of Liv it. Tyler. Didn't bother to watch it because it looked terrible. So there's a great scene in New York City where they're in a cab, and there's this uh, foreign couple that wants to. And she says, "I want to go shopping," and he goes, "I know the cab driver, but this is a traffic jam, and we're not going anywhere, right?" And and the exchange between them is really funny, but at the same time, like we're never going to see these people again. They're like now, you know, meteors are crashing into New York City, and there's like disaster in New York, and those people are running for their lives, but we don't care because you know. They're not the main characters. They're not Liv Tyler. We're going to run to break. On the other side, we're going to tell you what you should do, including how to successfully begin with dialogue. So don't go away. We've got one segment left. It's right on SC on 100.7 The Point. All right, we're back. Saturday morning, right on SC. Casey and Rex here in the studio with you. We've been talking about bad beginnings, mostly. Um, but we're going to get you off to a good start here. That's the title of the episode, Off to a Good Start. How can you do it well? Well, so I mentioned before we went to break that dialogue, beginning with dialogue is sort of, um, it's, it's, a, it's a thin line between whether you've done a good job with it or done a poor job with it. And I admit that I slush-fested the first page of After December a lot because it begins with dialogue, and it took like probably the sixth or seventh time for a really good editor to tell me what was wrong with the dialogue. So I still begin the story with the dialogue, but you got to get it right, and these are the five ways you can get it right if you begin with dialogue. Number one, introduce your main character first. So immediately, we need to know who the main character is right away. So for me, in After December, it begins with, I'm sorry, Brian, and then dad expelled air, right? So we get, I'm sorry, Brian, because Brian is the main character. The very, you know, three, the third word in is our main character's name. So I think that's the first piece is make sure the main character is there front and center in terms of the dialogue that you're putting into place. The second one is create context around the dialogue. So what's happening in the room? What's happening, you know, uh, in the world, right? Create some kind of context for why this dialogue matters. What time of day is it? Things like that. Um, I don't know if you want to weigh in on that as far as like the creating context around the dialogue. 
Uh, well, look at the opening of The Godfather. And I mean, the book the book and the movie are very pretty similar. Right. Right? Because I begin with America. Mm-hmm. And then he says a little bit more lines. And then it opens up into who's talking and who's he talking to. Yeah. And it's sort of like the world begins with that one kernel and then sort of germinates from there and expands a little bit more and a little bit more because you got this guy, you know, believing in the American dream, mm-hmm. not coming true. So why is he coming to this guy? Why is he talking to them? And it expands a little bit more and a little bit more, and he realizes that this man, you know, goes beyond the law because he wanted to be, you know, goes beyond the law, and he can do things that ordinary men can't and begins his growing his mystique almost immediately. So this hits on the third point here too which is to hint at the main the story's main challenge or conflict the main challenge or conflict in the story so if the dialogue is happening number one introduce the main character number two create some context around that conversation that they're having and number three get the main challenge or conflict into that dialogue right. so this is not riding in a cab take me to fourth and you know and right. larson or whatever it's it, it's a matter of like having an important conversation at the very beginning of the story even if it's something minor again i, I know i keep going back to the godfather but you know that guy's story isn't an important part of the book but it's demonstrative of the influence that the godfather has right it shows him and how people revere him and, and sort of like spreads out from there right the fourth suggestion is to minimize the number of speakers so if you're going to begin with dialogue two people Maybe three, but probably just two. And then the fifth one is to give your characters distinct voices and personalities, which I think is really hard. People have a hard time. and and Well, it's hard to begin with immediately. Yeah. So part of it is dialect. Part of it I is- I just throw a lot of swear words in there. One character swears a lot, the other one doesn't. That's my approach. Yeah. <laughs> the swear words are totally my secret talent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Segment number four. Oh, one more thing I wanted to um, say for our Columbia people, which I kind of uh, forgot to mention. I'll add it um, in some of our announcements leading up to it. But January 18th, which is a Wednesday night uh, or Tuesday night, I'll be doing Words and Wine. And I'm excited about this because it's actually live and in person. Um, and it's going to be, where is it? Tuesday oh, night. shocking. Tuesday night, January 18th, Words and Wine. And it's at the, where are we going to be? Oh, I don't know. Um, I'll have to put it in the uh, in the show notes. Um, but anyway, mark your calendars. It's an evening event, which will be a lot of fun. Um, and I'll get to go out there and like read stuff out loud to you folks. And I'm also going to try to make it a little bit more engaging than just that. But anyway, words and wine, January 18th. Um, okay. How else can you begin? Good ways to begin. Another link. This blog's on Read C. You know, I, it, I think a good way to begin, the books that really got me, yeah. were they just dove, dove into the deep end. Yeah. Throw the character, throw the reader violently into the plot. Yeah. And then expand from there. I agree. All right. He came home and he found a corpse in his bed. <laughs> Boom. In his bed. In his bed. Like right not, there. Not in the house, but like tucked in and everything. Right. Yeah. There. Right there. Was, that grabs you. What's going on? What's lost. happening? You said it was just right. And then somebody killed her. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I agree. Like the. This We talked about this in the last time we did an episode on the beginnings. We called it in media res, which is in the middle of the action. The action is occurring. Things are happening. And then you drop your character right there in the middle. So imagine you write the entire scene from beginning to end, and then you move the beginning about two-thirds of the way toward the end of the scene. 
And that's where you begin, as opposed to like, I was walking down the street and it was a sunny day and it was beautiful and this and that, right? Like, and then a meteor came out of nowhere. Um, instead, like, give us what happened. So the meteor lands and the pavement goes up all around. And that's where we begin. Pavement flew after the impact, right? And that's what we're going to start with. Not, it was a beautiful sunny day. Unless, unless you're Orwell and you say it was a brisk April day. Brisk April day. And the clock struck 13. 13. <laughs> yeah. In which case you're like, wait, what? 13. <laughs> right. Uh, <clears throat> that took you, that, took, that, that, that brings you right into it. Yeah. But that makes it different. That shows you how everything's askew. Right. So there's a couple of suggestions here. Think about your novel, the themes of the novel. What are you trying to do with the novel? What are the big, heavy things you're working on in the novel? And how can the first scene be reflective of that? We don't want something that has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, you know, it's okay to write the 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 first scene last too. Yeah. Everyone, a lot of people just their writing seems to improve. I mean, I get a lot of students that do with this too, and then like mm -hmm. uh, they feel that you know you have to begin the introduction and move on to the 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 body of it, and then you know finish the conclusion. I mean, it's a natural thing. You know, you figure it should go along those lines, but it's no problem starting with the body and writing those other parts later. Yeah, Get yeah. into the meat of it and then go back and reflect on what's the best way. Yeah, come back to the opening again and again to decide Because you're going to the if right you, place. Besides, the first time, you you know, if you write the begin, the introduction at the beginning, you're going to end up rewriting it by the end anyway. Yeah. No, no, I agree with that. That's actually number eight on the list here, which is to revisit the opening as the book evolves. Go back to that first page again and again and decide, is this really where the story begins? Um, and you might find that you have to begin it a little bit earlier or that you have to begin it a little bit later and you want to build that first scene into some kind of exposition. Um, the second one is to set the mood of the book. What, is the, what does the book feel like? When somebody picks it up and starts reading it, because they're going to read, I don't know if you do this at bookstores, you probably do, because I do. You pick it up, you read, kind of glance over the back of it, and then open up the very first page and read the first page, maybe page and a half, to decide. And then sneeze in it. Spreading your germs to the next person who comes along to do that. And then put it back on the shelf and right. run away. Right, um, and then giggle. <laughs> <laughs> not, not exactly how it goes, but yes, right. read the first two pages. To decide, like, what is the mood of this book? How does it feel? What is the, um, what, is it an urgent kind of feel to the book? Is there a <coughs> scientific exploration happening in this book? Like, what, what's the mood? And so I would think, too, as you're revising your first page, to make sure that first page is reflective of the rest. And to your point about how your writing is going to evolve over time, the mood of the book probably evolved as you got into, you know, page 200 and 210 and 230. Right. And so now when you go back to page one, the mood isn't the same at all. It feels like a very different story. So rewrite that first page so that it does capture the same mood that you have. Remember I told you about that query where you had to send, the editor wanted you to send page one and page 110. Yeah. And the idea was that page one and page 110 should should read side by side as if they are the same book. Like you still know it's the same character, it's the same mood, it's the same tone, and if, it's like a great test to go, okay, here's my page one, here's my page 110. Are these two things the same story? I, so I think that's a, a helpful exercise to do as well. Okay, number four. <laughs> I love this advice because it's so random. Craft a great opening line. Well, gee, <laughs> why didn't I think of that before? I kept, I'm crafting bad lines all this time. Yeah, well, come on. It was a bright, cold day in April, and the clocks were striking 13. 13. Okay. 
I mean, yeah. But yeah, but well, no one, no one, no one's not going to write uh, try to write a good opening line. Right, right, right. I know that's why. I so think I, that's you know, I, I don't like that when they say, "Well, the first line has to connect everyone," right? But why not the first line? Why not the first word? The yeah. first syllable has to immediately hook every reader, or else your book's terrible. You know, I mean, it's it's just it's it's ridiculous. Well, okay, it is and it's not because here's the thing: when you read a really good first, it's line, it's too you... generic to be of use. All right, it's like write a good book. All right, why right. not? Why? Well, not just start with a good line. Write a whole great book. Well, that's what we're all trying to do. <laughs> like, write a better book. Would be write better a better advice. book. There but we that go. That would be better right. advice, right? Because better means to revise. To get, you know. Yeah, to well, get that's feedback. how we do it. But just to, you know, that I mean that's just that's just a, that, 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 that 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 felt like it was just trying to fill up space. It is. It's 100% just trying to fill up space. That's write a great opening line. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Write a great last line. Sorry. And write a great middle, too. Number five, <laughs> introduce the characters early, but go easy on the backstory. A few uh, key details, not the summary of their life. We've uh, talked about I will this. agree, yeah. We've talked about this before because I like a, a, I don't want the same details we always get. The things that you notice about everybody. I want a detail that we that is unusual, that pops off the page, that is like, um, I don't know, and, and I can't think of any, like, sort of right off the bat, maybe you can, but, like, I want a detail that um, differentiates this person from other people. All right. I'll go with that. Um, and if he doesn't, don't go, don't dwell on him at all. Give the minimalistic. If, if, if the interesting part is the story itself rather than the main character, which is fine. Yeah. Um. Then focus on that more. Yeah. I agree. In fact, try to make his life as bland as possible, which makes his, which is why he's focusing more, or the main character's focusing more on the uh, event. That's if it's a plot-driven story. Yeah, it is. Yeah, right. exactly. I mean, there's no, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's, that's it for today. Oh, it is? Yeah, okay. we're done for today. We're going to go behind the scenes. Thank you for being with us. We'll see you next week. It's right on SC on 100.7 The Point.